a blessing to be here today. It's good to see you here today joining us for service. I want to turn your attention and your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. If you would turn there, our scripture reading comes from there. Romans chapter 8. Reading verses 1 through 17. If you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers have Bibles available. Just raise your hand, they'll bring a Bible that you can use throughout our service. And as is our custom, we'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's Word. You follow along with me as I read aloud. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, <clears throat> to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. But you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. May God give us understanding. Encourage and challenge our hearts through the word preached this morning. If you remain standing with me, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time where we can come to worship you. We thank you for our service with our meal following. We just pray, that, Lord, that all that we do would bring glory to you, that you would use to minister to our hearts, allow us to minister to each other, and bring glory to you. We pray for those in this congregation who have experienced sickness or who are experiencing that, we pray, we do pray for comfort for them and for healing. 
And we pray, Lord, that during this time, they learn to rely on you and trust in you. We know, Lord, that you provide the grace to your people to withstand and to endure the trials and the challenges in front of them. We pray we'll rely on your grace and trust you in that and bring glory to you in how we go through the challenges that we face. Be with your people today, each of us, Lord. We pray for other churches in our community that are preaching the gospel, that you would just bless them. Lord, we pray for this state of mind that, um, that some who claim to be Christians are, are in and, and where they, they uh, fail to be faithful in church, fail to serve you in that way. We pray, Lord, that you would convict true believers of, of that wrong and that they would um, come to uh, obey you no matter what uh, that would mean or what consequence they may face, Lord, but that they would be strong in serving you and in living for you and connecting with your people, that they might hear what you have to say and be uh, in tune with your Holy Spirit as you minister through your word and through your people. So bless the word as it goes out today, that it might bring glory to you and encouragement and challenge to our hearts as well. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Please be seated as our choir comes for special music today. Special Sunday for us. It's a Sunday where we share, share a meal together right after the service, so each one here is invited to come and be a part of that. Whether you pay yet or not, you're invited to come and be a part. Notice I say yet, but whether you pay yet or not, you're invited to come and, and be a part. We look forward to that fellowship. It's an important part of us coming together. We've been talking um, last week, the last couple of weeks about character, and we've looked at the contrast between David and Saul. And then this past week, we talked about what contributes or how that character is developed, particularly in the believer. And so we talked about the importance of the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about the role, the, what the Holy Spirit does and the role that he plays in our life. And so we read this text in Romans 8, and there's so much there um, that's truth. But one of the things that he says there in verse 9 you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So he makes a condition that you're not subject to only walking in the flesh, but you walk in the Spirit, or you live by the command and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he makes that condition, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. But then he makes this statement. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That if you are trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to him, and he has given you already 
his Holy Spirit. And so you have all the resources that you need to live the life that God has called you to live. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you born again? I want to look at John chapter 7. We read that on Wednesday night in our meditations. So John chapter 7, verse 37, if you turn there with me. We're going to look at several verses in the book of John, in the gospel of John. And I want you to see how Jesus develops the truth of who the Holy Spirit is and what he's going to do and when he's going to do that. So we might come to understand how he's equipped us with this resource that we desperately need. In John chapter 7, he begins to talk about this in verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great, feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So the writer lets us know that Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit here. When he says, whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of water. First he says this, it, this is the impact of those who believe in Christ. Everyone who comes to trust in Christ, Jesus is saying, was, is going to have the Holy Spirit living in them. And the Holy Spirit living in them is going to be like rivers of living water. It says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So what it means by the heart that the Holy Spirit directly impacts our heart and changes how we think and, 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 and the decisions that we uh, uh, make and the desires that we have. He changes the heart as none else can do. He comes to live within the believer and changes us from the inward. So Jesus begins to speak about this. He says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus had talked about water before, and, and uh, now he says, you're going to have a source within you that's not just like a drop or a sprinkle or a mist of water, but it's going to be rivers flowing. And what comes out of your heart, we, we've looked at in Sunday school today, in fact, what comes out of the mouth is flowing from the heart. And so your whole life will show the result of the Holy Spirit in you. It will change the way you speak because it changes the way that you think. It will change your desires, your impulses, what it is you love. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes that difference. Now we saw that difference in contrast in the Old Testament example of, of David and Saul. And now we want to see how God has made that difference in us. Let's back up a little bit in John. John chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. Jesus speaking with Nicodemus says this, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, he, he makes a strong statement. It may be confusing what he means by being born of water and Spirit. We can question what that water is, but there is no question of what the Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the one that creates life in every believer. And Jesus says here, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you won't be part of his kingdom. You won't get to heaven. You won't live in heaven. You won't live eternally in heaven. It's interesting to me how, how this truth that Jesus has been teaching these truths, and we're going to track them through John. We'll see that as he talked, as he preached, he talked about the change that only the Holy Spirit can do. He says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he explains what that means. You must be born of the Spirit, he says. Look, look with me. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, physical uh, uh, um, life reproduces itself. And is made after its own likeness. That which is born in a physical way becomes much like the physical that produced it. The Holy Spirit produces himself in the life of true believers. And then he says this, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Notice he, 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 he introduces a new term. He says, so it is with everyone who is what? Born of the Spirit. In other words, given life by the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does with each one who places their trust in Christ. He brings us to life where we were dead. He puts life in us. John chapter 4. Verse 4, Jesus is talking to the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. And he says this in verse 14, John chapter 4, verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Again, Jesus is talking about that water and and. and, and speaks of it as a spring welling up into eternal life. Another uh, uh, term for what the Holy Spirit does, he brings life in us and causes life to flow from us. The Holy Spirit produces in us. In John chapter 8, verse 47, Jesus has a long discussion with the Jews here, and I won't get into all of his discussion. We might have to adjust that heat a little bit. It's getting warm up here. <laughs> you did already? Okay. Again, I don't want y'all to fall asleep. In John chapter 8, verse 47, he keys in on their problem. The reason why you don't trust me, the reason why you don't listen to me, you don't understand what I have to say, and you don't believe what I have to say, it's all the same reason. Verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. 
The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus makes it plain to them. And from this we understand that it's the Holy Spirit living in God's people, in believers, that allows them to hear God, to understand God, to follow God, to love God, to serve God. You cannot do that apart from the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Jesus is simply saying to them, you're not of God. You don't have the Holy Spirit. Everything I say to you is foreign and you object to. Do you ever notice that? Did you look at your life? See, you weren't always born again. Did you look at your attitude before God impacted you? That's how I know when a person doesn't understand salvation, when they tell me things like, well, you know, I, I, I was always raised good, and I, I always went to church. Well, you don't understand. That, that's not the, how the Holy Spirit works. You weren't born a believer. You were born a sinner. And if you don't understand that you sinned against God in that time and he had to change you, you think you were good enough or you made yourself good enough or you're making yourself good enough to be accepted by God. And God says, that's, that's just nonsense. I have to give you life. There's no other option. You can't do this to yourself. You didn't just suddenly read a book and decide that you were going to be okay with it. God had to do a work in your heart to change your hostile attitude. Now, people think that's strong language. And, you know, I received Christ probably when I was seven years old. But even as a young boy, I realized that I had a sinful nature. I didn't have long to work it out. You know, I didn't do a lot of terrible things because I didn't, I, I didn't have that long a time to do that. And I didn't have the freedom to do that. But I could have. And if God had not saved me then, I surely would have. I, I noticed in my mind a mindset that was hostile to God. And Jesus points it out to these people that... <clears throat> You are hostile to me because you're hostile to God and you have no part of him. The Holy Spirit is not working in your life. Let's go to some other passages that he zeroes in what the Holy Spirit's work is. It's in John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17. <clears throat> you remember at the end of chapter 13... Um, Jesus begins to speak to his disciples in this teaching right before he goes to the cross. He has several things that he wants to emphasize and let them know before he goes to the cross. And remember how 14 starts. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Why would their hearts be troubled? Because he had told them not only was he going to die, you would think a 33-year-old man dying, that's kind of uncommon thing. You wouldn't think of death. Uh, but he told them he was going to die because he wasn't just going to die a natural death. He told them that he would be killed by the hands of the Jews, the Jewish leaders, and he would be crucified. He also told them he would be raised again, but that part they kind of just skipped over in their mind. They were so concentrated on the fact that he would no longer be with them. And that was a big 
shock to them because they thought that if he is the Christ or since he's the Christ, certainly he's going to be king and ruler and set up his rule. But they didn't know the plan of God and the sequence of things that needed to happen. He was preparing them for what God's plan was, that he would go to the cross, that he would be put to death. He must die on the cross to pay that penalty for our sin. He will be raised again, and still he wouldn't start his kingdom. They didn't know all this. He would go into heaven, and we are still waiting for him to return to start his kingdom. He wanted his people to know that, and he wanted them to be not discouraged, but encouraged to know that, that God's plan is still working. The same truth we need today. We see all the nonsense that's going on in our world, and we wonder, is God's plan still effective? Is he still going to do what he said he was going to do? Or was, was I just imagining something or making something up in my mind? Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be worried and doubting about what God's plan is. And he goes on to say, in my father's house, in many mansions, I've prepared a place for you. That's the good news. That's going to be all set. The more difficult news is not yet. Not yet. You still have some things that, that, that uh, God's, going, God's going to have you to do, some things you're going to go through, you, things you're going to have to endure. But he says, not yet. But in this not yet time, he says, I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with you. The reason why he had to share this is because the disciples were, were, were so used now at this time. It was such a wonderful experience for them to be under the tutelage of the Lord Jesus Christ. They enjoyed that. They were amazed by it. And they were expecting him to go right from that to his kingdom. And he says, no, that, that's not the way is going to be, and I don't want these things to come to take you by surprise. I want you to know that my plan is still effective. So he says to them, verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Let me just pause there to make some points. Jesus says, I'm going away. He said in a certain times, in a certain place, he says, in a little while you won't see me, and then a little while you'll see me again, then a little while you won't see me. <laughs> They're like, uh -huh, what does all this mean? Well, he said, I'm going to the cross. You're going to miss me, but I'm going to be raised from the dead, and you'll see me, but I won't stay here. Then I'm going to heaven. He says, I'm going to leave you, yes, but I will leave my Holy Spirit with you. Look what he says. I will ask the Father. He will give you another helper. In my absence, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit live with you permanently. There is a difference. It says, to be with you forever. To be with you forever. See the difference with the believer now and the difference in the Old Testament is that the Holy Spirit would do things and use people, but he wouldn't be with them forever. 
And we can see that, obviously, in Saul, because Saul wasn't even a child of God. But God would use him and anoint him with powers to do the service that he had called him to do. Yes, God can call sinful people to do part of his job. God can call people that are not his to do his bidding and to do his job. That's a good thing to know. <laughs> that means that company you work for, <laughs> even though the boss ain't saved, God's still in control. That means that city that you live in, even though the mayor don't know the Lord, even though that state that you live in, even though the governor hates God's people, we're all right. Because God is in control. He can use, he can manipulate, he can develop, he, can, he, he will accomplish his purpose even with sinful people. God has always done that and will continue to do that. So he says, now in the meantime, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit and he will live with you forever. This is a new thing for believers. The believer will never go a time where the Holy Spirit is not present in their life. Jesus makes this truth clear. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receives, receive. He said, the Holy Spirit working is something that happens in only believers. You and I as believers need to understand how special that is. That when you wake up in the morning, God is with you. When you went through the night, God is with you. And then David says, where can I go to flee from your presence? None. God has his Holy Spirit living with us every moment of the day in every place that we go. I think sometimes the world realizes that more than we can realize it. Maybe we take it for granted. <laughs> I believe there's times when I've been in battles and I didn't know why. People reacted the way they reacted and, and why I was, was protected in a way. Because God's presence and his Holy Spirit is continually with us. He says he'll be with you forever. The only condition is that in that is that you belong to him. The world does not cannot receive him. Can't, it is impossible for, the, for those who don't belong to Christ to have the Holy Spirit. It neither sees him nor knows him. Now this reminds us of what Jesus said to the Pharisees. He says, you don't hear me. You don't believe me. You don't trust me. You don't understand my words because you're none of God's. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Notice the future tense. He dwells with you now, but he will be in you. Future tense, he's saying there's going to be a change when I leave. And because I'm leaving, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to live with you forever. That same chapter, verse 25 and 26 John 14, verse 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, 
but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Notice the future tense. He will send. Jesus hadn't left yet. He's speaking to his disciples. He says, when I leave, the Father will send him. Now, I like this too, is that the Holy Spirit is, is, has been sent or commissioned by the Father for us. Just like the Father commissioned the Son, he says, Son, I want you to go down on earth. I want you to take a human body, and I want you to live a perfect, sinless, righteous life, and I want you to die on a cross for the sins of my people. He commissioned his son to do that. He says, Spirit, I want you to go. After my son leaves, I want you to go. I want you to live in every single individual who knows my name, who trusts me. And I want you to minister every moment in their life. He's sent by God. God has not abandoned you look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. So Jesus says, Yes, I'm going away. You're going to be saddened by that, but I'm sending my Holy Spirit to minister to you. Let me just take a break in, in, in a moment and just ask you do you recognize the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? Whether you think you feel it or not, if you, believe, if you belong to God, he promised that he sent him to you. And this is what he says he'll do in verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So it's the Holy Spirit in us that teach, teaches us. You know, you can tell a person who's been taught by the Holy Spirit and recognize that. For one, it's not an arrogant thought. It's not something to lord over somebody. Look at this knowledge that I got that you don't got. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches each and every one of his people. He is the one that allows us to understand God's truth. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have any responsibility or any work to do in that. But he makes that possible for us to take in God's word and to live it. Now, what that, one thing that says is we have no excuse. We have every resource that we need to live the way God wants us to live. You know, some people want knowledge because they, they want to, to seem like they know something. But what God says, look, I give to you everything that you need. If you ask me, I have it there for you. And the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to live the life that God is calling you to do. He didn't say he's going to make you sound good like a teacher. He says he is going to give you what is needed. He's there to teach. He's there to help you. In this life, he will teach you all things. He says, I'm not abandoning you like an orphan, but I'm giving you the parent in your life to teach you the things that you need to know to live. Now, in John chapter 16, verse 7 through 11, 
Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit there when he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he reminds them that Jesus is reminding them that he's not abandoning his people. But it's to their advantage that when he leaves, the Holy Spirit will be there. Now, how is that an advantage? It's because Jesus, in his earthly presence, in his human form, could only be with so many people at a time. Remember how the crowds would press on him and they want a miracle done and he go to this place and they want to see something? He says, hey, that won't be an issue when I leave because the Holy Spirit will come and live in every single individual believer. So that's to your advantage. And he says this is going to happen when and after I leave. But we, walk, we look in Romans 8, we see that, hey, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he's none of his, is that every single individual, every believer is given the Holy Spirit. And in fact, in Ephesians, uh, um, uh, in Ephesians 2, we see that it's the Holy Spirit that makes us alive. He quickens us. He's the one that gives us life. So without the Holy Spirit working in our lives, we couldn't even be saved. We couldn't even trust Christ as Lord and Savior. So the moment that we've come to trust Christ is because of the work of the Holy Spirit, and he's living with every believer. So I can say emphatically that everyone who trusts in Christ did not have to wait, tarry, or work to get the Holy Spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit living in you, you can say amen. amen. So in verse, in, in John 16, verse 7, we'll go over to verse 8 now. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. He, convict, he convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. You might ask, well, if the Holy Spirit isn't, isn't in unbelievers, he doesn't live in them, how does he convict them? How, how, how does he convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment? The same way that Jesus did. People hated Jesus. Why? Because when he lived and when he worked, he reminded them of their own sinfulness. He reminded them of their need for God. When the Holy Spirit is in you, he'll be working to convict the world by your life. You become a testimony. You become like the Lord Jesus Christ. In your presence, people ought to be thinking, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. That's not right. Because I know that's counter to how this person lives. And he or she is a true believer. He's going to convict the world of sin. And notice what he says. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. The world wants to define sin in its own terms. We are to remind them, as Jesus reminded them, 
that it's about God's command and about what Jesus has said. Our lives then should point that out as Jesus' life pointed that out. Our lips and our testimony ought to point that out because the Holy Spirit is in us and that's the job that God has given the Holy Spirit to do. He's convicting the world. How? Through the believers. Through those that he indwells. He also says concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. Jesus is saying they won't have me around anymore. Jesus is in fact the standard for righteousness. And when they see Jesus, they knew what righteousness was. Jesus, in fact, asked them, can any of you convince me of sin? Have I done any wrong to, that, that you can point out? And, of course, he hadn't, and they couldn't. That made them hate him all the more. He says, but I'm going to the Father, and so I'm leaving the Holy Spirit now to work in you. You become now the standard for righteousness in their lives. You see, we have Christians that don't want to own up to that. Oh, no, that ain't my responsibility. But, oh, it is. The Holy Spirit is living in you so that others might see Jesus. And guess what? When they see Jesus, they're going to often respond just like they did when Jesus was living. They should see the standard of righteousness in your life. Not something made up from you, but what the Holy Spirit produces. As you simply live in obedience to God, other people ought to see that and they are convicted of sin. They are convicted of their lack of righteousness because they see a true standard of righteousness. Look, the preaching from the pulpit is not to be the only preaching that takes place. It is preaching from each of our lives because the Holy Spirit is ministering to the people that you come in contact with. I will never perhaps come in the contact with the same people that you come in contact with, but God is working to convict the world through you. How dare you shut your mouth? How dare you close your life off to others when God has said, I'm sending my spirit. I'm taking my son, but I'm sending my spirit. And guess who he's working through? He's working through you. The spirit uses a body. He's claimed your body and he's using yours. But you've got to submit to him. He says concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit is doing that as well. He's doing that through us. In that same chapter, verse 13 through 15. John 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So he guides us into truth. 
Just as Jesus did, Jesus said, I don't speak on my own authority. I speak on the Father's authority. So the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't speak on his own authority. So when you see someone says something by the Spirit that doesn't agree with God's word, you know, it's not by the Spirit, don't you? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't go apart from God's authority, God's word. He doesn't veer off there. He is commissioned by God the Father, and he speaks consistently with what the Father said. So it's easy for us to judge what's of the Spirit. <laughs> it makes it easier, doesn't it? Because nothing that's inconsistent with God's truth and God's word comes from the Holy Spirit. In our Sunday school class, I think we looked at uh, the passage in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, no one calls Jesus accursed by the Holy Spirit. That's just absolutely not going to be done. The Holy Spirit doesn't go with anything that's inconsistent with truth and with God's Word. And so you can judge and you can discern uh, that way. That's one easy way to see the obvious there. So we see what the Holy Spirit does and Jesus teaching on that and ask ourselves the question, how is the Holy Spirit working in our lives. The Holy Spirit has been given to each and every believer, and each believer has been commanded to obey, to listen, to submit, to have his life under the control of the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, um, says this, in Ephesians 5, I'm sorry, verse Verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We're commanded, we already have the Holy Spirit in us, but now we're commanded to be filled, to be under the control. Can I say under the influence? Don't be under the influence of alcohol, but be under the influence continually of the Holy Spirit. In other words, drink deeply of him. Take him in. And then allow him to affect everything that you do, how you talk, how you look, how you walk, how everything, all your actions, let the Holy Spirit be there. You know, when you see somebody who's drunk, they look different. Their physical makeup is different. Oftentimes their outer appearance, their clothing and such shows the effect of the influence of that drug in them. And so it should be with us being filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything that we do, everything that we are, everything that we say should be impacted by the Holy Spirit. And so we have a willing role to play is that we should submit ourselves. You know, if a person get drunk, they don't just walk into the bar and automatically get drunk. They got to sit down, and they got to take the cup, and they got to put it to their mouth, and they have to ingest. And so willing to the Spirit works that same way. Your Spirit is living in you, but you have to submit to Him. You have to take in what He has to say. You have to allow Him. You got to get full on Him. Amen? You, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to impact you that way by taking in his word and his truth and meditating on him and obeying him. 
and it will see that impact in your life. Is the Holy Spirit's work evident in your life? Would you vow this week to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Will you make it your role to take in as much in the, of the Holy Spirit as you can? How are you going to do that? By listening to God, how are you going to do that? By taking in his word, by reading, by meditating. God does a, does a number of things to help us to do that. One is just what we're doing right now by meeting together and hear God's word, by interacting with God's people. Uh, all this week in my mind was a song uh, that Charmone sang on, on Sunday doing our offering, and it was just going through my mind uh, all week long, and I was singing that tune. That's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit works. We meditate in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, rejoicing in our hearts, interacting with one another. And we're about to, to have a meal together for that very purpose, that we might develop relationships where we interact regularly. The Holy Spirit wants to control your conduct and your character. And he wants it to be a contrast to that of the world. Is it? How are you doing in that area? Open the door to the Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your life. I'm going to talk a little bit this afternoon of how that happens as we interact with each other. But I want you to know God has given every believer his Holy Spirit, and he wants his Holy Spirit to have an impact in your everyday life living. Father, we thank you for your word today. We would pray that you would impress upon our hearts the need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are none of yours. We cannot be a part of your kingdom. We, we live in a character that doesn't reflect um, your character and your will and your purpose. You say those who live in the flesh and do those things of the flesh will have no part of the of the kingdom of God. So it's imperative. It's absolutely essential. The Holy Spirit give us life, but it's also imperative and essential that the Holy Spirit lead our lives. So we pray, Lord, today that each one here who has trusted Christ would submit to the Holy Spirit. Each one here who needs to trust Christ will right now recognize that great need and turn to Christ right now. If they do, that's because the Holy Spirit is working in them. We thank you for that. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Move in our hearts so that we will not rest or be at peace until we follow and obey your command. Bless this time as we fellowship a little bit before we go into the meal. That that might be the fruit of your spirit as well. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now here's what we're going to do as we dismiss ourselves. Our ladies...